It's Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Larry. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. So welcome back, everybody. I am glad that we all made it out of the snowpocalypse alive. It, it, it was hit and miss there for a little while. I, I know many people lost power. I was one of the fortunate few who didn't, but my wife and I ended up hosting my mother-in-law and my 83-year-old grandma who both lost power for a few days. So I know our house was pretty crowded, especially when you factor in, you know, my two dogs, me, Faye, and then the two of them in in this in in a, in a normal sized house. So it was it was definitely a a new experience. What about you? How'd you guys fare? Well, you know, we got lucky. We we did really well. We are close enough to one of the smaller hospitals that we believe we we're on their power grid. So they did not shut off power to this area really. We, we lost power for about 15 seconds one day and it went off. And we thought, Oh crap, here we go. It's, it's, it's starting. And then it clicked back on and we're like, okay. So it was off long enough for us to have to run around and reset the clocks. So we, we fared really well. My, my dad and his wife lost power the Sunday, like Sunday around two ish around six 30 that Monday, the power finally kicked back on for a little bit. And then it was off and on until about, I think Wednesday or Thursday. So he just was dealing with like, it'd be two hours on five hours off, two hours on five hours off, but it allowed them to at least get the house. There's one period that we're actually able to get the house back up to a reasonable temperature. So they didn't, the, the, the longer stretch at the, at the beginning, the house got down to 47 degrees. And so they were pretty chilly, but, but it, um, the, the off and on allowed them to kind of keep things relatively safe and no and no busted water pipes either so they came out good but yeah yeah i have to say um we would fall very much in the lucky category on that but but not just me but you and you and Faye as well and and thankfully you were able to get her mom and and your grandmother involved so that you know they they had a safe place to go yeah i think i think the the twins definitely enjoyed having two new people around even if there was a sense of stranger danger at first I think it ended up being okay, but it was definitely scary there for about a week. <laughs> and 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 we 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 know we said we wouldn't be it would be a couple weeks until the next podcast. However, if you know anything about us, you know we're from Texas, and as you have been paying attention to the news, you know what happened in Texas last week. And no, we're not talking about Ted Cruz's mini vacation. We're talking about the snowpocalypse. And if you're one of our listeners in another country, you most likely have heard about what happened here in Texas as well, because I know that it, it really made, made the news, at least I know it made the news in the UK, because every time James had a call last week, there was always a question of, well, how are you doing? You know, his London people, his part of his London team would always ask him, you know, are you guys okay? Do you have power? Well, obviously they had power because he was able to do his, um, uh, video conferencing stuff, but it was always that question about, you know, what's going on with the snow, what's going on with how cold it is, what's going on with the water, and just making sure that, you know, he was doing okay or that we were doing okay. But for those of you who might, might not be in the know, just briefly, here's really the breakdown of what happened. We had record low temperatures, 
We had this huge surge in power demand because everyone was running their heaters. We had a completely unprepared electrical grid and power operators, so the power companies weren't prepared. All that meant blackouts and broken water mains. So it's just been sort of this, this, I guess, build of all this stuff coming together all at the same time. And that, like uh, watching the news this morning, they were talking that one of the cities close, close to Dallas, uh, Fort Worth, they had reported about 600 water main breaks as of, uh, I guess, this morning, but had fixed something like half of them. But that still led like over 300 water mains were still broken, so they were still losing water. But the the other issue on the water thing, too, though, is it's not just the broken water mains. They had some issues across Texas where the power outages affected the water treatment plants. So you also had that issue of people not actually being able to get potable water. I mean, you have water, but you're going to have to boil it to make sure that it's okay for you to use. So basically what that meant was just that last week was an absolute complete cluster. And having grown up here, going through numerous winter storms by far, this has to be the worst that I can ever recall you know, we've never had this issue where millions upon millions of people were without power for absolute days on end. And I mean, we've had times when there's been more snow even. I mean, we're, we're, we've actually had six or eight inches of snow, but but this event was something that was definitely unprecedented as well as all of the sort of behind the scenes things that happened to sort of just make everything collapse all at the same time. And we could get into the politics of what happened last week, and, and there are a lot of politics at play here. But that's a lot for anyone to unpack and not really what we're here for. What we wanted to do was talk about some possibilities for backup power when the power goes out and what to be on the lookout for when hiring someone to assist with storm damage repairs, whether that's minor plumbing breaks or home repair from storm damage. And we'll start off with backup power. Probably the easiest and most common option to back up a house would be a natural gas fire generator. You have multiple companies that manufacture and install, and and most areas, at least around here, have natural gas lines. At least in Texas, anyway. If you're not, you can. If not, you can always use propane. From an aesthetics standpoint. They're not any more offensive than the the condenser that you have for your HVAC system, but they'll still stick around in your backyard and still be fairly visible. And and these types of generators are are usually meant to tie into your existing electrical system and provide some power. You can always purchase one big enough to run your entire home, but the costs are significant and most often customers are only looking for a temporary solution. Of course, the trouble this last time around wasn't the temporary power outages, but homeowners having no power for days. For many, that meant that temperatures in their homes were dipping below freezing. So as Matt was saying, you know, the, the, the gas fire generators are typically the most common, and we've actually installed some on past projects at the request of the owner. In fact, I've got a client right now who is already looking up information on it because after this last round, she's like, yep. We're going to install a, a power generator for me. But there are downsides to this type of a generator. There's the the cost, obviously, because they the units themselves can get very expensive depending on 
how much power you really really do think you need. So there's the, the cost of the unit and the cost of the switch, your installation cost. There's going to be a spike in your gas bill if you need to run it for a long period. But you know, there's that trade-off. Do I have power or do I freeze? There's also this noise aspect that I don't know that they really tell you about, although I know that that it's supposed to be getting better. You may be saying to yourself, you really don't care if if it's noisy if you don't have power. I'm going to be noisy all I want to be. But what happens is these units actually do what's called a self-test. And and when they fire off, they can be a bit of a nuisance for the neighbors because they, they can, in the past, they could get really, really loud and often... Um, I think these were actually self-testing once a week. So for a few minutes, once a week, you had this very noisy contraption going off in your yard. And honestly, it's not a big deal if you don't like your neighbors, but it's something that you just have to be aware of if you're going to go this route. Then there's the one thing that no one thought really would ever happen, I think. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. Somebody thought it would happen, but I think the power companies thought it wouldn't happen. Anyway. Again, that gets into the politics of things, but what ended up happening, so you have you have the these power plants that run on natural gas, and ultimately the natural gas lines themselves ended up freezing. So that makes it hard to run a power plant. Or if you just happen to have installed a generator and your gas lines are frozen, you really aren't going anywhere, which which kind of brings us to the next option, which is solar. And I'm going to let Matthew talk about this because he's done a lot more research on this than I have, but but it's something that, that may possibly be in the future, at least uh, an option to the, to the gas fired generators. Yeah. I, I feel like as we go down this list, it, it gets more and more exotic. So in the, in the past, we've talked about the use of, of solar power for home energy and, and what those limitations are. The, the primary benefit to solar power is local power generation. If you have solar panels on your house, the sun hits them, that creates an electrical current that gets routed from the panels on your roof to an inverter. From the inverter, it goes to a breaker box, which then circulates that electricity throughout your house as needed. And it works really, really well as long as the sun is shining. But the problem here is that solar power is useless if you don't have a way of storing all that energy or if there's no sun at all, like if you're in the middle of a snowstorm. And 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 there and and in some cases there are some solar setups that will actually shut down electricity production if the grid goes offline because the grid is the default energy storage mechanism in 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 those cases. However, there are many companies like Tesla that make giant batteries that can power small circuits around your home using your solar panels. Many of these types of batteries are wall mounted; they fit into your garage and connect seamlessly into your house's electrical panel. The caveat being that these residential batteries are still fairly uncommon and still fairly expensive. You can find them, they're out there, but the technology hasn't quite gotten to the point yet where they're just completely ubiquitous. On the flip side of that, though, is that, you know, so so we don't, you, you really can't, or you not really can't, but it, to to install this sort of solar power backup can be quite expensive and, and for especially for the average person. But there are an array of portable solar power generators that you can actually use the smaller generators that you can use when the lights go out. It's it's the question of can you power your house? Well, 
No, but you can really power essential stuff. And for a lot of people that actually, especially this last time around, that meant actually being able to power and charge your phone because we have become so reliant on our cell phones that if we're in an emergency, that's the one thing that we need to have work. We kept seeing images of these people in the news sitting in their cars, recharging their phones, and uh, you know for the obvious reasons. In fact, when my when my dad's power went out, then kept going up and down. I told him, I said, the, the, "You one thing you need to do is every time the power comes on, you pick up your phone and you plug it into charge because you don't. The last thing I want to have happen is you guys not have a phone to call emergency if you need to, or call me, or call my sister, whoever. But as as it turns out, you know, I'm I'm. My dad's 77, so I guess I'm just making assumption that he wouldn't have the, you know, wouldn't have the smarts to go, hey, I need to plug in my phone. But, you know, I'm he's 77. I'm I'm his kid. I want to make sure he's okay. So as it turns out, he was actually doing that every time he goes, oh, yeah, the minute the power comes on, plug it in the phone. So so he was actually taking care of it. But you think about that, one of these small solar powered generate solar powered generators actually would allow you to even probably even the smallest one would allow you at least that option to be able to charge your phone so that you're not just sort of left there sitting in the dark wondering, okay, now, you know, what's next. Yeah. And speaking of using your car during the blackouts, one of the more unique and probably one of the more Texan ways (laughs) that people were keeping the lights on during this event was plugging in their appliances and electronics to their F-150 trucks Apparently, the new hybrid F-150s come with a built-in generator so that when you turn the truck on, you can use the gas in your car to run the built-in generator, which they, which can then power appliances and keep you warm in the freezing temperatures. I saw several stories recently highlighting the trucks and, and how their owners use them during the blackouts. And I thought, wow, it really doesn't get more Texas than that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if only in Texas would you see someone powering, you know, powering their generator with their pickup truck. I mean, you're right. It it just seems that that natural thing to have happen here. And and I I think if if you didn't grow up here, you might not understand that. But but for us, yeah, definitely a very Texas thing. And and interesting to see that happening because this storm was a once in a lifetime event. I mean, this is something that, that like I said, I, I've never seen something this bad uh, in the 52 years I've lived here. And natural disasters happen in every part of the country. But for Texas, you know, a natural disaster for us can mean everything from tornadoes to hurricanes to snow, even, even something simple as a thunderstorm rolling through. In, in 2019, there were huge sections of Dallas that had no, no power for multiple days, including us. Our neighborhood was completely dark. Because this storm system had rolled through with these super high winds, and it meant tree limbs, trees going down everywhere, all the the power lines getting damaged, and it it blew through really fast. But it was enough to really cause a major issue across the city. And I will tell you, there is nothing creepier because James and I were on vacation, and we flew back after the storm, and we were driving driving home, and we turned off of the freeway to head to our neighborhood. And you went under the under the overpass, and it was dark. Everything was just absolutely, completely dark, and it was just the creepiest thing in the world to come home and, and see that. And and there wasn't anything really to necessarily do about it. I mean, the the power company had to have 
people came in from out of state to come through, and they were they were in a lot of cases restringing power lines because that's how much damage had done. Luckily for us, that was one of those events where you don't have to think about okay, I've got to hire somebody, I've got to to have my home repaired, or I've got to have plumbing repaired, or I've got to, what what do I have to have done? Because a lot of times when these natural disasters happen, that's when people can get really taken advantage of. So, so the second part of this podcast was just us wanting to talk to you a little, bit, a little bit about how not to get screwed in the process because one of these events will happen and almost instantaneous, instantaneously, the scammers and the creepy guys start crawling out of the woodwork. It just seems to happen. We hate to say that, but we're already seeing it happen, actually. One person reached out on Facebook looking for a plumber because the one he called wanted $3,000 just to come out and assess the issue. Not to do any work, just to look at it and to tell them what's wrong. And there are desperate homeowners who might be willing to pay for that depending on what's happening. I mean, obviously this person didn't, but that's exactly an example of what can really happen. So in in situations like that, how would you protect yourself in a situation like we had last week where pipes were bursting, the best thing that you can do is to know where your water shutoff is and making sure you have the right tools to do that. Usually you can find the meter at the street, but getting in and turning it off can be a bigger challenge. I know Faye and I know where ours is if if we need to, uh, but we got lucky when we bought the house. The original owner gave us the the key to the to the meter out there and and we've kept it on a hook in our garage ever since so we 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 have we have it down pat if we really needed to it's it, and it's nothing fancy it's just a, a regular handle to turn off and, and uh, to open the to open the lid to the meter and then to close off the water but it's something that you may want to consider adding if you're in the process of making repairs or, or doing a renovation or just so that you'd know for next time. And the next thing is, is always reach out to trusted resources or ask for referrals when looking for a contractor, whether that's a general contractor or just a plumber, electrician, or an HVAC company. It's, it's easy in a crisis to grab the first one you can find, but that could lead to a little bit of a heartache down the road. One of the great things that I have found about social media and, and you know, there, there's both good and bad sides to it. But one of the, one of the cool things that I found about Facebook and, and other apps like next door is that you have a place to ask these types of questions and, and, and it can be a great place to find a, a recommendation or to even request a recommendation or just see, see where other people are getting their recommendations. You, you have multiple resources online available to find what you need in these types of situations. Right. Because you don't want to be reaching out to people who are soliciting you for work. And you'll see that you, after I think the, the tornado that came through probably, well, I guess about a year and a half ago now. And it happens after a lot of disasters, people will start, you know, posting signs in the street offering, you know, cleanup services or construction services You'll see business cards wedged in front doors, and you'll even see sometimes you'll even see repair trucks just driving around neighborhoods. These areas can easily get flooded with hucksters 
that are just looking to make a quick buck. So, so be very wary about that. And, and like Matthew said, that's what the nice thing about some of these social media apps are that you have sort of this built-in resource group to go after to, to, to find, you know, find someone to look, you know, find someone to help you out. And also at the same time, even, even at that, any contractor worth their salt should be able to give you a list of references. And if they can't, if, oh, well, I, I really don't keep a list of references or, or people aren't really available right now, then just, just put them aside and go to the next company because they're not being honest with you about that. Also, never pay them money up front. One of the, the biggest disasters you ever, or not disasters, I guess, well, I guess it's the right word, um, that you'll see with some of these projects is that the homeowners have given this contractor half of the construction cost up front. Oh, I need it for supplies or whatever. So they've already contributed a sizable sum of money to this project. And a lot of times, once you've done that, you're never going to see that person again. So you don't have anything fixed and you're out, you're out of a significant amount of money. And at the same time, don't be fooled by the fact that they have a license. The state of Texas, after this happened this week, the state of Texas decided that they were going to start issuing provisional licenses to out-of-state plumbers and start waiving fees and certain other requirements for plumbers who have lapsed licenses who want to renew them. Because obviously, that's something that we need in Texas right now. We need as many plumbers as we can get because, uh, example, 600 broken water mains. So multiply that by a bunch of houses and suddenly it becomes, well, in, in fact, a friend of mine who owns a plumbing electrical company, they were sending out guys on calls and they would go to a, a call in the neighborhood. And before the guy could get out of here, out of there, he would be bombarded by additional neighbors actually asking, hey, can you come look at this for me? Well, of course he couldn't because he had to go to the next call. Clearly, you know that's something that's needed, but but just having a license doesn't necessarily mean that that these people are qualified, and, and which is gets back to asking for references or asking for referrals because that will help sort of weed a lot of those people out. Now, this isn't going to be the last disaster in Texas. Obviously, hopefully, we won't see that kind of ice and snow and low low temperatures for a long, long while. I mean, I, I will volunteer with you that a temperature of minus one is not something I ever want to go through again. I, I can't, couldn't believe it got that clutch. I think the official was minus two, but what, what's, I think the question is, you know, what's one degree when you start getting below zero? Uh, I'm not sure, but something will happen again. And, and just keep in mind that there are options out there, you know, talk with your contractor about, do I go ahead and get a gas fired generator? Do I get something small? Do I go and find myself a portable generator that I can, I can keep at home and have it just as a backup sort of thing. And if something does happen to you, just be careful about who you reach out to and, and make sure you, you do it smart. It's, it's easy to get caught up in all of this emotionally and suddenly find yourself at a dead end. So just just be careful and and know that that there is someone out there that can actually help you and, and do good for you. But we wanted to make sure that we, we we just wanted to make sure we covered all of that right after all of this has happened. Like like Matthew said, we weren't really supposed to be back for a couple of weeks, but then all of this happened, and so we felt okay. We we need to talk about this at least at least as quick as we could uh, after all of this happened. So we hope everyone has managed to stay safe. If you, if you know, you hopefully you didn't lose a loved one somewhere, but, but if you did, our, our condolences certainly. 
and we hope you guys are recovering well. We are going to now take our two-week break. <laughs> I, I think we both need it, um, if nothing else, just to get caught up on on what's been going on, you know, what, what we kind of missed last week when all the craziness was going on. If you want to reach out to us, of course, as always, you can reach me, Larry, at spotteddogarchitecture.com. You can reach me on my social media at spotteddogarch on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can find us, you can find the podcast website at architecturegeeks.com and on Instagram at archgeekspodcasts. Again, we hope y'all are recovering well and, and hope that nobody ever has to go through that again. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye guys. <laughs>